It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Taryn, how are we doing, buddy? I'm I'm doing great. Uh, So when people are hearing this, it'll be a a couple days removed from that Dodger series. But I think uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it just for a couple minutes. Um, I I thought that that was like a great team effort. A lot of people carrying the load. Lindor on... Uh, on Thursday in that game was uh, was excellent. Uh, and, and one thing that really stuck with me is just like baseball, right? That first game, uh, Lux did everything for the Dodgers. I think he, he drove in all the runs, if I'm not uh, wrong, or maybe like all but one. And then uh, he, uh, on Thursday, he struck out with, uh, with runners on. It was second and third uh, in a big spot with the uh with the dodgers up one and then in the field uh routine ground ball is hit his way and Marte, who i guess he was busting it out of the box he had to have been in order to beat this throw but he looked like he was going like 80 percent. somehow beats that throw starts a rally uh and, and the, the mets end up scoring um to uh to tie and take the lead there uh that's just you know that's that's baseball, right? Because then the the ball drops in behind Lux, and uh, it's just a funny game, and it, and it goes uh, it goes both ways. And um, one day it's very kind, and then the next day uh, it can be a, a ton of little things that end up throwing you off. So I, I was just reminded about how special and unique that this game is. I think the little things, and especially how little breaks we saw it this past week, how they can affect the game and the series and the momentum moving forward. I mean, you know, this was like a heavyweight battle, not only the play or the postseason implications, you know, Oh my gosh, if we get seven games uh, in October between the Mets and the Dodgers, I mean, I think we'll be the luckiest baseball fans in the world. All of us. Yeah. My blood pressure can't handle that, but. Oh, we have ways to, to chill out and relax and watch the <laughs> off the air. We'll talk off the air. Anyway, um, you know, but these, you know, the way the Mets handled not only uh, opportunities being afforded them, but not letting things spiral when things didn't go their way. You know, Jake was hanging some sliders in his start and, and things got a little hairy for a second, but yeah, of course, he snapped back into form, and then everyone just kind of picks up and, and, you know, gets the job done. And I think it's really a testament to the vibe and the, and the whole energy that this team kind of embraces of just relax, get the job done, do your job individually, and collectively good things are going to happen. And, and, and I think we've seen it time and time again. We've seen it. You know, in these past series, the Mets just kept their noses to the grindstone. They got hits when they needed them. They they 
got over bad spots. They 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 capitalized on opportunities, and you know you pick your heads up and and you're taking two or three from the best team in in baseball, a generationally good baseball team, the model for what pretty much every team who's who has a commitment to winning is is, is following. Or specifically, closely. specifically, what Steve Cohen has said that they want to be. So. Yeah. Punch him in the mouth. Punch him in the mouth and say, we'll see you in about a month or so. That was the first series win over the Dodgers for uh, uh, in a season series for the Mets since 2015. Okay. I was uh, okay. I'm like, it couldn't have been that long, but I was, yeah. I was expecting. I'm like, boy, this could go back to the 80s. And first series win uh, at home for the Mets uh, over the Dodgers since 2011, I think. Okay. Pretty crazy. Guess, yeah, Dodgers had some, I guess, non-competitive teams for a few years there before this recent, I guess, prolonged stretch. But Andre uh, Athier was a player, but yeah, I guess he kind of uh, got caught in the wind yeah, there. The, so the Kemp, the team. Kemp teams too. They, I, they yeah. had, they had good teams. They, uh, Gary was saying, you know, they they made it to the dance a lot of a lot of times before finally winning that um, Mickey Mouse. Um, 20 uh, <laughs> title, but that was as competitive, as close uh, a season series, I think, as I've ever seen. Specifically in these three games, Gary was saying, um, I think there were three innings where a team was leading by more than one run, and that was before the Mets uh, scored three late. Uh, I think that was the bottom of the seventh. So maybe there were five or six innings where a team was leading by more than one run. And you consider the fact that it's like, you know, in, in 27 innings, only six of them, is it like uh, a little bit out of hand? And even still, like the Dodgers brought the tying run to the plate and rocketed some balls off of Diaz. I, I had to take a couple of big <laughs> deep breaths in that eighth inning the other day. This, uh, this is great. Great competition. And I, honestly, I think that the Mets being chased by the Braves all year, and the Braves are a phenomenal team and sure. organization as well. I think that's made them better. I think that's made them hungry and resilient, and they, they keep going. And and Nimmo's catch? <laughs> I love that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, that was like an Andy Chavez uh, homage. That was fantastic. What? Homage. Yeah, that was like a kid like trying to do a dunk in a yard compared to Andy, but um it was <laughs> what a catch. I mean, hey, Andy got like his armpit over the wall. Uh, <laughs> until Nimmo until Nimmo's doing that, getting like the S of the Mets on his jersey over the wall. I don't know. I, I just, you know, uh, very, very uh, uh, great catch. Outstanding catch. Not not an Andy catch. I'm sorry. Can we can we talk a little bit about his development as a center fielder? Absolutely. Um, um, one of the biggest- Jolly, Jolly Olive, by the way, uh, Jack Olive from Shea Station. Everybody knows who he is. Yeah. He put up a terrific, I guess, just a, it was a, a compilation of, of his outs above average from 2020 until now. Go check that out. But, and then, of course, come back and listen to our conversation because it's a good one. The, the work he's put in is, ter- is it's notable to say the least. Yeah. Uh, have you seen um, like such a significant turnaround in just a, a two year span? Um, 
specifically, uh, I think what you're talking about, right? Like uh, he retweeted Mets analytics. Uh, these are the biggest improvements by a center fielder in outs above average over a two-year span in the statistics seven-year history. Um, and the defensive metrics have issues. Uh, John Boy did a whole thing about why uh, the infield metrics are bad, but the outfield metrics are a little bit more reliable, I think. So yeah. he has the line of the shields here. From 2016 to 2018, he went up 12 outs above average. Uh, George Springer, 17 to 19, 10. And then Brandon Nimmo, nine so far. Yeah, I, That's like a huge improvement. This well, is a guy, uh, I think, who's really worked hard to improve his overall game, but despite not having like a great arm in center field, has made all of the plays and and has made it look really smooth, uh, getting back to the wall and, and saving some of these what could be game-breaking hits. Oh, he did it again on uh, on Thursday. Chased a ball into the gap that I forget exactly the spot, but um, had a little a little uh, weight, a little um, levity to the to the situation. I think it was later in the game, but off the bat, it looked like this thing was going into the gap, and he made it look mostly routine. And it's um, it's wonderful. And and you have to keep in mind with Nimmo. Um, I mentioned this on Twitter on on Thursday. I think. Uh, you know, before, actually, before, after, uh, altogether, in 2020, when he had that negative four outs above average in center field, that was and remains his only major league season with a negative outs above average at any outfield position. Um, I think the him getting familiar with the, with the position, him getting familiar with the, the nuances and the intricacies of, of center field, which, you know, I was never a center fielder. I've never spent more than, you know, garbage time in the outfield as a, as a young player in high school, whatever. Um, but I have to imagine that it's a lot more detailed, a lot more uh, intricate than playing a corner outfield spot. Um, I think that level of, uh, uh, of, I think the, the progress that he's made, of course it's, it's outstanding, but I think his potential and his, uh, his potential to to reach that height was probably always there. I think that maybe folks were were harping on, oh, look, he's awful in center field. He's a terrible outfielder. Statistically, at least advanced metrics, he's always been well above average in the outfield. Again, just that one really bad season, his first full year in center field. The year before that, I think he was either, either zero or plus one in center. Um, didn't have the amount of consistent reps out there, but uh, you know, he's a terrific outfielder. His approach to the plate has certainly changed, and I still want to do a little deeper dive on that one day. But, um, boy, the, the, the strides that he's made to make himself a complete player, and, I'm, I'm, you know, there's really no leaving anything out when I say complete player. He might not be a five-tool guy, but he's got five tools. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, they don't always show up all the time in every game, but the guy can hit for power. He's had a couple of really big home runs this year, um, and, and he has a flair for doing it when the Mets need an insurance run is when he's really done it this year. Uh, 
but yeah, he, he just, he's a really, really solid player. And um, I think he's having a great year. And he so many of these Mets are, right? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. He was bumping for a little while there. And he, he was. Yeah. In. After Marlago was raided. Yeah, he was really. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, no, but yeah, he, he had uh, definitely like a rough start. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and a rough uh, parts of August, but he. um He's been really good so far, and I, I think taking more advantage of of uh, trying to hit the the fastball in the zone. Like I, I think earlier this year, he was very focused on um, drawing those walks, and that's why he had so many of those nimos, right? Like down o two in the count, and then you work it back to full. Sure, um, he can when he wants to, or he can yeah. attack his pitch when he wants to do that. But I, I think uh, – and then at a certain point, he was missing a lot of fastballs. But now I think he's trying to drive those balls rather than uh, be overly patient. And I, I think that that's a good development because, look, I, I mean, the Mets' offense all year has not been built on on hitting the home runs. But it would sure would be nice to hit home runs because it's <laughs> infinitely more difficult to string together hits against top-level pitching. So when you um, get to the playoffs, like there are going to be so many pitchers that are good at, at limiting these uh, limiting damage and limiting these innings. So getting a big bop or two, it could be the difference between um, your season being over early or, uh, you know, playing all the way to the last two teams standing. Well, I mean, I think we should note, I just have notes here and I was going to talk about them at some point. You talk about limiting the home run in the postseason. And of course, I mean, for a pitching staff, that's just, you know, number one, a home run can mean the end of your season in some spots. And I know, I believe Mike Mayer over at Mets Marais put out a pretty detailed tweet about what Mets relief pitchers have been doing in the second half, at least like the front end of the, the, the front line guys, your, your Diaz's, your Adovino's, your Lugo's between the three of them. I mean, and Diaz has a 1.13 ERA, Adovino's at 1.0 flat. Lugo's at 1.65. Adovino's allowed one home run in the second half. Diaz and Lugo haven't allowed a home run yet. I mean, that's the type of stuff that's going to push a team through a tough postseason series. I mean, even going down to Chris Bassett, uh, he did not allow, allow a home run in August. Uh, Max Scherzer, I believe, was leading the majors in – hard hit percentage in the, in at least major league starters in hard hit percentage in, in August. I mean, a lot of things are coming together really, really nicely for the Mets offensively. I, yeah, you want to see more power. Um, but I think that'll, um, that comes in waves. I mean, there's been slumps. There's been hot streaks. I mean, just look in August, you know, Mark Canna had a magical August. He finished the month in like 292 with an OPS over a thousand. Yeah. Um, you know, Lindor for his you know, one for 20. Oh, and that was pretty meaningless, huh? <laughs> you know, like these guys that are not always going <laughs> to be on these uh, on these long hit streaks. Lindor has pieced together a few of them this year. Um, and yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. I, I think that he's probably been the most consistent Met. Yes, man. Once he once he shook that finger injury, and everybody was waiting for him, man. Once he shook the finger injury, he's been every he's been Francisco Lindor 
as advertised and then some. Like, this is just so cool to see. And you know, that that's, ball that's he got to behind second base yesterday. <laughs> that was awesome. That was an incredible play. You, you go from it almost certainly good. having first and second then, uh, or, or even, you know, maybe if they tried to run on Nimmo first and third with two outs, uh, to the inning being over. And that was as smooth a play, I think, that I've seen. And 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 then to follow that up with the big hit in the next inning. He is uh, he is so fun to watch and and just a really easy guy to root for. And the Mets have so many of those. He was not that that, that play had to be a nine point five plus difficulty rating out of ten. Right. And he he made it look routine. And he made it look simple. Yeah. Just yeah. awesome. He is so yeah. slick. So slick. Um, and then, uh, real quick, jumping back, we were talking about the the pitchers. Yeah, uh, you remember at the beginning of the year, I was saying uh, when uh, Jesse, right from Willits Pen. Yeah, yeah, we we had him on, and I was saying like, uh, the Mets are going to need to get some high level production out of Adavino, and he basically told me not to count on it. I don't think anybody anticipated it being like this. Oh, how good Ottavino has been. He's been but, right now. But, you know, this guy, uh, this is like the best he's looked. So, uh, got a 2.01 ERA on the year. Yeah. I can't even say that I, I was I was right about that because I, I never anticipated this. But, like, the fact that it's turned out like that for him this year has been so, so huge. Um, and, and I guess he's the like the backup closer now, right? Like he's yeah. the he's the setup guy now, right? Dude, his slider has been almost as effective by Woba as Diaz's. I think that now Diaz and, and Class A are in the hundredth percentile uh, percentile in Woba, but by individual pitch run value, I know Diaz's slider is, is just through the roof. So is his four seam. Like both are top ten. I want to say out of Vino, so within the top twenty, Scherzer's got two separate pitches in the top fifty. Man, I wish I had saw that. I had a leaderboard up while I was working. Don't tell my boss. <laughs> but yeah, oh, just great stuff. And and you know, this is vintage out of Vino, and 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 I, I think it's a testament to what Jerry Hafner does. What this whole Mets front office is able to has been able to do with finding guys' strengths and, and and putting that foot forward. And I I know I said it before, and I really think that's what's happening with Naquin right now. I think they're trying to tinker, and he looks so uncomfortable. And he came here, and he looked comfortable. He was hot. He was hitting the ball. I think they're trying to kind of mess with him, and I think it's going to work out for the best. But, boy, yeah, he looked very uncomfortable. But you have to think that behind the scenes, those types of situations are happening all the time. Yeah, it's a game of adjustments. It's cat and mouse. If you don't adjust, and the other side is, you're lost. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jeff McNeil. I had notes here on August. Jeff McNeil was terrific. Three eighty five, four fifteen. Three eighty five, four fourteen, five sixty. He had a ten point three percent strikeout rate, which was incredible. Uh, His three fifteen batting average this season is fourth in baseball. Now, you can even include the awful, awful 2021 he had. 303 batting average since 2018, which is when he debuted in July. Still fourth in baseball. Jeff McNeil, I know that batting average guys don't get a lot of love. Um, 
you know, at least not in today's game. You know, you look back at your Paul Molitors and stuff like that. And, oh, wow, hell of a ball player. You know, nobody looks at Luis Arias and, and, or Jeff McNeil and be like, boy, those guys are headed for the Hall of Fame. It's just, you know, the game has changed. But, you know, Jeff McNeil, very late start, 3,000 hits probably is not in his future. But right. the years and the seasons that he's putting together, especially if the Mets find success, um, a very underrated elite ball player. Well, yeah, uh, I I agree, and I'm not like a batting average as a metric to determine value guy, but I really like guys who put the ball in play. Well, it has its place. It's not the end-all, be-all as it was for uh, 80, 100 years in this game. We have much more viable, much more effective ways to look at the game now through numbers. Yes. The batting average is not a lost stat. It, it just it doesn't mean quite as much. It's still a very important stat. It's just there's other more meaningful, I guess, slices to that pie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm still impressed by guys that bat over 300 because it's really hard to get a hit. Look so, at, and I, I'm saying it right, right? Arias? Uh, Luis Arias. Yeah. And the year, I mean, you get to watch the Twins firsthand. You go to a lot yeah. of games, you watch them locally. Yeah. What he's doing is... Ho- <sighs> I, I didn't get to see Rod Carew. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a, a pure hitter that I've seen, and I've seen a million, but I'm just drawing a blank. But what he's doing is so special, and it's just going mostly unnoticed. It's well, very strange. It's like, uh, I mean, I think Ichiro. Ichiro, that's a great example. But yeah. he had that. Um, he had that adulation from the whole game. You talk to a you know average baseball fan. Oh yeah, Luis see what Luis Arias done. He's like, oh, who is that? Like, they don't know. Well, it's yeah. just, it's, it's. I'm, I'm not sure where where I'm going with this, but it's very strange. Yeah, and I, I think, think it should be in the same boat. I think it should be recognized a little bit more. Arias now is hitting for a little bit more power as well. I think yeah. he's up to eight home runs on the year. Um, so I was going to say I'd love to see Jeff see if he can open up the power a little bit more because uh, oh, I'm with a good amount of doubles, but uh, it would be great to see a little more pop even. Um, uh, see, yeah, my, my, my concern with McNeil trying to go for more power is him getting lost in that trap. I think that he does a really good job of taking advantage when pitchers make mistakes and he drives them. Mm-hmm. I'm much more content with Jeff McNeil as a doubles hitter. I really am. And he does that so well. I mean, he's a batting average guy, but he could also stick it into the gap or put it down the line pretty much when he wants to. If he, when, when he finds the right pitch to do it, mm-hmm. like if you put him anything over the, over the outside half and like knees to waist, he's going to send it down the third baseline. He's just going to do it because he yeah. can. It's yeah. very impressive. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's having a great year and we haven't even mentioned how good he's been defensively. Um, <laughs> Terrific. Luis, Luis Guillorme is like a magician. And the Mets, despite the fact that, um, you know, Guillorme was playing a lot of second base and third base, and they have not really missed a beat defensively, even though he's been out. And he's like a gold glove caliber defender. So uh, McNeil has really elevated that side of his game also. Uh, I thought the series that he had in Philadelphia all around, but especially defensively was really, really special. So yeah. Uh, 
more good things from the overwhelmingly positive Mets podcast. Absolutely. Simply amazing, baby. Um, we're gonna, let's take a quick break. Um, I want to come back and talk about the rotation, specifically where things might lead as the Mets get into October. But, um, yeah, it shouldn't be long. Let's take a quick break. We'll wrap things up and then get on with our holiday weekend. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back. As we were talking about earlier, the uh, this will be coming out on Saturday, so the Mets have a game on, on Friday night. Max Scherzer will be taking the hill on Saturday. He's having a terrific season. Um, Carlos Carrasco will be back in the mix on Sunday. Now, as the Mets head into the, the home stretch, and of course they're – Strength of schedule eases up a bit. You can't overlook anybody, so we're not even going to talk about that. Every game is a potential win. It's all business, and I think Buck has that handled. But the Mets are going to have to make some decisions down the stretch. Now, with the way that the playoffs are scheduled, I think they, the Mets will have to employ a fourth starter at times. So, you know, you're not going to be able to get through a – a seven-game series with three, as you were in the past before, uh, in previous years, you know, for a while there. Given what Chris Bassett's been able to do, not just in the second half, all, all season, but, I mean, look at him in August. 1.83 ERA in August. Didn't allow a home run. He's doing it with a whip of close to 1.2, which somehow he always gets out of trouble. But you have a a plethora of good arms. Taiwan Walker struggled a bit. If Carrasco comes back and he's still sharp, are you, are you cool with just sending in those top four into the postseason with, Hey, these are, these are my guys. We'll break them up as we have to. Maybe Taiwan Walker gets a start here or there. He's a long man. He's coming out of the bullpen possibly. I mean, the Mets have options. Do you have any inklings as to how this could shake out, at least from your point of view? Well, I, I'm interested to see, uh, most of all, what David Peterson's role is going to be. Yeah. Because uh, 
he wasn't necessarily great in the role that they gave him a couple chances to to fill, but he's been really good as a starter. He, every time that they've needed a good spot start from him, pretty much he's stepped up. And then he's been really good as a piggyback arm. And then Williams is basically the same way, but like the right-handed version. Did so he, Trevor Williams did not allow earned run in August. Notably. Yeah. So um, I, I'm not sure they have so many pieces to play with right now. Uh, for back end of the bullpen, I think a lot is riding on Trevor McGill, honestly. Uh, uh, sorry, Tyler McGill. Trevor, <laughs> but um, noted, noted twins fan talking there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, if he's coming back and he's throwing like a hundred in it, like a uh, inning and two thirds or something like that, that's massive. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that changes when you can use guys. Like if that shifts um, using Lugo is kind of like a, in a fifth, sixth inning role to get you six outs. I, I think that they have a lot of pieces to play with. Um, and that's what I'm excited about the September schedule, really, because the Mets should win a lot of these games just based on, like, the quality of players that they have and and who they're facing off against. And I know that we, we you just said, we you know, we need to win as many as possible. I do think that uh, even though Atlanta is chasing them and that they need these wins – Buck's going to have the flexibility, I think, to, to play around with how he wants to uh, piece together a game because you're going to have games in the playoffs where somebody kind of has a blow-up start just because that's the way it goes. You're playing the best teams in baseball. They're, those offenses are really good. You're going to have guys that struggle off the bat. But I'm just interested to see, like, how he tinkers with it. And I think he has uh, somebody who has a great baseball mind next to him in, in Hefner too, uh, to kind of help inform these decisions. So I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to most in terms of, uh, uh, of like flexibility. You know what I'm looking forward to the most Hmm. is uh, this version of Jacob deGrom, like the one that we've seen kind of emerge over the last few years, even with it, with the injuries involved, but like that next gear, like that just <laughs> unprecedented level of pitcher, Jacob DeGrom, I want to see him in the postseason. That's what I'm most excited to see. Of course, Max Scherzer in a Mets uniform pitching in the postseason and that level of intensity will be something, but just the focus and the worksmanship that's I hope I'm using that correctly that DeGrom's displayed since coming back um and he's just no rust no nothing just going out there getting it done I have just a couple of stats here it's almost mind-blowing speaking of mind-blowing Zach Allen from the Diamondbacks finished August with a 0.68 ERA led the majors in F4 among starting pitchers Zach Allen if you, if you, if listeners, if you don't know him, remember the name because he's got the stuff. Uh, we talked about him, I think, when the Mets faced them, maybe not this season, last season, and a very nice starting. He's just come back from injury. Anyway, Jake, since he's returned, has walked less than a batter a game, 0.74, uh, less than a batter per nine. His whip is 0.55. Uh, 18.33 strikeouts to walks. 36% called strike and whiff rate. 
22% swinging strike rate, 136 batting average against. Those are all first in the majors since he's returned uh, by healthy, healthy margins in most cases. 13.62 strikeouts per nine. You'd think that that would lead the majors for starters. It doesn't. And I believe that Spencer Strider overtook him last night with that 14 strikeout. Uh, 14 or 16? 16. 16. My apologies. I had 14 earlier in the year, I think. But uh, Lucky number 16. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, he probably got a rabbit foot in his back pocket. See the size of his thighs, bro? That's a, yeah. that's a, I, I think the pants do a little bit of work there, too. But, yeah. No. Dude, he's, I don't know if you've seen a hockey player's thighs. He's, he looks like he has hockey player thighs. Looks like he's got Saquon Barkley's thighs underneath those pants. <laughs> yeah, you, you're a football fan, you're right? You went to the Minnesota yeah. game this night? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. NFL team, you're a Vikings fan? Uh, well, adopted. But, no, I, I grew up rooting for the Redskins, so. Okay. I'm, the Washington I'm, football team, right? Uh, the Commanders now. Oh, right. I see. I think I thought they had it right with the Washington football team, man. It, it didn't quite roll off the tongue, but I – I kind of thought it fit. It was weird. You know, uh, in in like in some of the southern states like Al- Alabama or something like that, they'll like make jokes like, uh, you know, thank God for Mississippi because then they're not the worst. The <laughs> Guardians should be like, thank God for the commanders because Guardians, bad name. But the uh, the the commanders is somehow like a hundred times worse. It's so bad. It's <laughs> worst team name ever. Anyway. <laughs> unrelated to the Mets. Unrelated to the Mets. No, but we can always take a, a left. It's football season. I'm, I had my first fantasy draft last night, so I'm a little, um, I guess, football crazy, I guess. I, I'm a Giants fan. There's really not a whole lot to look forward to from a, from a Giants fan seat this year, but just football season, it's just an exciting time. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I can't believe how quickly this summer is gone. Um and uh, well, when you're following a winning baseball team, yeah, it's been <laughs> so special. We were talking about Jolly Olive earlier, and he, he was like, uh, you know, I'll remember the 2022 season regardless of how it turns out because it's been that special. I, he said I, he's never had this much fun following um, following a baseball team, and I think that that really encapsulates it for all of us um this has been such a special ride and one way or another it'll be over in like uh eight nine weeks uh regardless of how it turns out so we've been saying it all year it's worth savoring every bit and um and and it's not zero sum you can enjoy every single game and 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 every series and every week and every month without uh you know worrying that at some point it'll be over because only one team's fans are truly going to be the most happy everyone else is going to be settling for the the bits of joy that the team can provide and this team has provided so so many for the last six months or whatever and, and hopefully they'll get an opportunity to provide even more going forward but this has been a blast it's been yeah, a very fast summer, and and now it's it's time to buckle down. So I'm excited to to be able to to follow this with you, Tim. 
same here. This is great. I mean, we talked about it a bunch last week, how this stuff doesn't happen very often for any baseball fan, no less being a Mets fan, you know, this will be the ninth time, the ninth time that the Mets make the playoffs in 60 years. So the ninth time, nine times. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And you know, I don't count 2016 as a postseason appearance. I'm not sure if they did, but one game is not a postseason appearance to me. I just, I know it is another it's all the same though. It shouldn't be part of it. It shouldn't one game playoffs unless it's what unless it's that tiebreaker game. And I've never been a fan of the one game wild card game. It's just it's so silly to me. One anything can happen in one game. That's such a an, an, an injustice to a season's worth of work. And I know that yes, oh you had chances all year to not be in a tiebreaker, not go into a one-game playoff. You should have won more games in the year. I get it. It just feels like you're leaving it to chance. And I know the better team will win, but will the better team always win one game in baseball? No. It just doesn't work like that. No. Connor Gillespie could hit a three-run home run. So, Oh, but that would... That 2016 Mets team... Hell, for... I mean, for argument's sake, that 2015 Mets team, they were not a a World Series contender. They got really, really, really red hot. They made some outstanding moves at the trade deadline. Um, and not just Cespedes, kind of everybody, the uh, the Kelly Johnsons, the Juan Uribe. Coke can. What? Yeah, Juan Uribe, Coke can. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, uh, they just – it was, it was lightning in a bottle to me. Yeah. It felt like that was a team of, of over. Now you got me giggling in my head about cocaine. God damn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it just, it was, this feels real. This is the, you know, 2006 felt real. 2006, that, that felt like, oh, wow, this is a dominant baseball team. It's complete from top to bottom. Um, and then slowly but surely it started falling apart. Juan Sanchez and then, then the starting pitching. And, and I still think trading Nady changed something. Xavier Nady was an integral part. But, you know, what are we, 16 years later? We're not going to get into that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, this feels like one of those high watermarks that, you know, you wait for. And like you said earlier, there's 29 teams every year that are – going through that winter without the, the taste of champagne on their lips. I'm going to stop myself. Forget that. I, I, Taryn, I'm not going to lie. I find it very hard to get myself wrapped up in like letting my life be controlled by baseball, by a, by a team, by sports. I just kind of enjoy the ride. Gosh, darn it. If I am not getting myself in way too deep with this team as far as expectations and trusting that gut feeling like, Oh my God, something special is going to happen. And this is what I've been waiting my entire life for. That's where I'm at right now. And I got butterflies just thinking about it. Like this is crazy. And I don't want to change shit. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if this team's shown us anything, one, it's that they're extremely talented Two, It's that they're, not backing down from anything. They're not quitting when they're behind. They're not intimidated by a very, very good ball club. 
they check every single box. I know that there's spots that that could be could have been brought more up to snuff the the middle the the, the meat and potatoes of the bullpen um, catching position the catching position. Hey, James McGinn, I'm. You know, I think Gary saw it on SNY, but we all saw it on Twitter. Like, hey, McCann's putting together a couple of decent bats. Oh, yeah. another yeah, line drive, one bat. and then he sends one into the to the wall. Like that was um that was good. You just kind of hope he translates it and extends it because you know if the Mets could ever use a hot month from James McCann, it's right now. I know. Uh, but you know, besides all that. Get the slumps out of Vogelback now. Get the slump out of, out of Naquin now. Pete Alonzo, I wanted to talk about Pete's slump. Get that stuff out of the way. Um, the broadcast made a very good point, of, of, or made a very good note of pointing out that pitchers are going upstairs, at least the Dodgers heavily were going upstairs against Pete, and he had no answer for it. So in August, uh, Pete hit... 207, 274, 299, struck out 21 times in 95 plate appearances. That's not Pete Alonzo. We know that Pete's going to find his rhythms. You know that he's going to find his power stroke. You know he's going to go on these two-week tears. You also know that he – that, and we've seen it happen, you know, uh, over and over again. And this isn't just Pete. This is any ball player. This isn't any, any team, any league, whatever. Adjustments are going to be made. Pitchers are going to attack guys, and Pete's always been susceptible to, um, I guess, a heavier influx of guys trying to adjust and, and figure him out because he's so dangerous when he is hot. So, you know, I mean, you've seen pitchers go outside. You've seen pitchers go high and tight. You've seen pitchers go low and inside. Now they're just pounding him up. It's just a matter of time before he adjusts again, but you know, he had a real tough month, and the Mets still were able to, and we talked about the hot guys earlier, push through. Get those slumps out of the way. Find those grooves. And, and you know, you hit the, the postseason just firing on all cylinders, and that's how special things happen. And, and I'm, I'm dangerously excited. I'm, 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 I'm chiding myself for being so damn excited right now. No, I, I think it's good to be excited and to, to enjoy it fully. Regardless. I've been hurt, Taryn. You don't understand. I've been hurt, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, haven't we all? Like, but it's it comes with the territory of rooting for this <laughs> team, this organization. But things do feel different. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's worth it to go in head first, and you know, you might get hurt. It's more yeah. than likely that you will. Yeah. Oh, of course. And maybe but that's part I of it. Maybe I've been protecting myself from getting hurt. I mean, dude, 2006 when Beltran struck out, um, I would I sat in my room in the dark for like a couple hours after that. I didn't move. Like, oh my god, we, you know, everybody got over it. You know, so much in fact that 2007 felt like nothing. <laughs> like that hurt. Watching Shea close hurt more. But after 2006, 2007 was like ah, you know, this is just the epitome of being a Mets fan. This is what we've heard about for so long. This is just, you know, the most intense one that you could possibly think of, uh, you know, one after another and then after another closing say the next year. But um, yeah, it's just, you're a grateful dead fan. It all rolls into one, man. They melt into a dream and this is the freaking dream right here. That's right. 
And, and for everybody, that's lyrics from Stella Blue. Um, please check it out. It's a beautiful song. Uh, the studio version is fine. You pick a late 70s live version and you might even cry. But that's that's another podcast, which me and Tara, we could actually probably <laughs> do that. We'll get into that another time. In the Aussie. Yeah. This was supposed to be a quick one. We're just kind of having a good time, huh? Yeah. We love it. Love it, love it. What do you got going on for the Labor Day weekend? Uh, Going to go to... Uh, we got MLS team here, so I'm going to go there tomorrow. And then, uh, yeah, just uh, just hang out. Try to enjoy it. Um, I, I was taken by how intense those Seattle MLS crowds got. Does it get like that by you guys? The, uh, it's not quite at that level because this team is younger. Okay. But, um, um, going with a professor of mine, which I'm really excited about. Oh, cool. Uh, and um, and – so I bought my friend's tickets and, and his tickets are like right next to the field, which is awesome. All right. Yeah. It's going to be going to be a blast. And then otherwise just relaxing. Um, so yeah, it's all good. I'm going to watch some baseball. Um, myself and younger, youngest rider and mama rider, we will be at the game on Saturday. Did not expect to have, be going to see Max Scherzer, but here we are, and we're going to see Max Scherzer, and we might even get there in time to get a three-quarter zip pullover from the Mets. <laughs> that, I think that's cool. I always keep my my giveaways. I got like a whole box of them going back to when I was a kid. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but uh, of course, you know, it's, it's the Nationals, but it's still an important series. They're all important series. Just yeah. win, baby. That's right. And, and that was definitely – created for and patented by the New York Mets, not any other professional sports franchise. Just win, baby. The New York Mets. <laughs> no, that's a, it's a Raiders thing, which you guys all know. Now we're just getting silly. We're go, we've gone well off the rails. Um, Taryn, ready to get our weekend started? That's right. Let's do Out, it. Outstanding. You guys know the sign-off. It's Let's fucking go Mets. We'll see you next time, all right? Peace.